this episode of Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom, Reverend Paul Weir explores Jesus as the ultimate shepherd and our cornerstone. See, he gives his life for the sheep. He looks after his sheep daily, watching, feeding and protecting them. He confronts the greatest danger, the evil one, who spreads darkness and despair and false shepherds too. His is the struggle to overcome this and bring us life. The ultimate shepherd, alleluia. In our John reading, Jesus is therefore declaring himself to be the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. He is the king, born of David's line, who has come to establish God's own sovereignty over his people. The cornerstone, in other words, the cornerstone. reading is taken from Acts chapter 4 verses 1 to 12. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When I've come to this reading in the past in church and there's been younger folk, I've produced some items, which I'm going to try and do now for you. A piece of brick and a piece of rough stone. I, I did want a piece of house brick, but um, I just found a piece of breeze block instead of the house brick. And so I'd asked what difference, what the difference between the two items were. A piece of of stone and a piece of building block. Well, I guess that uh, one was made 
in recent times. Um, and one probably existed before the dinosaurs, maybe. Um, although you could pedantically say that uh, if this was a clay brick, that you know the clay existed back at the beginning of the formation of the earth. And I would ask them, well, what would you use them for? How would you use them? Well, in a modern house, you would use, uh, would you use a, a rough sort of stone to build your house with? Well, mostly not, unless it's a very upmarket one. It's generally, um, you um, find these don't fit together very well to build houses, um, although they do use them on the facings of uh, new houses. You pay a lot of extra money for that, I think. Um, but generally, we use these, these things. Uh, they're pretty cheap, and they make a pretty good job of building your house. Uh, of course, in the old days, you probably only had these bits of uh, rock because that's all they had. And some of you are probably living in, in houses with this, this kind of thing. <laughs> I can see some, um, some of you probably nodding. Well, the disciple Peter knew his audience understood about building houses and structures. They knew that there were critical aspects of building and one item the capstone or cornerstone had a special place. Now, if you go to different versions of the Bible, it'll either say capstone or cornerstone, maybe keystone, um, but cornerstone is one that, that's often used. They are slightly different. Um, those of you in the building trade will probably be able to tell you a lot more than, than I can. Um, but a capstone is one that's laid on top of a wall and it's sometimes called a coping stone. And a cornerstone is one that's often laid in a build in a corner from which all other dimensions are taken. And the structure is project, projected from this. And this latter one was often used in Eastern builds and can be seen all over the Holy Land and, and beyond. Well, Peter used the analogy of cornerstone to point to Christ. He had become the cornerstone, and it's all about our salvation, yours and mine. And the other stone we think about is the one that fits at the top of an arch, um, often right in the centre. Um, that's also a keystone, and without it, the arch would collapse. And basically, like all these important building stones, we too, we don't use them or you know, we don't use them correctly, we, we can reject people very easily. How? Well, sometimes we, you know, sometimes appear to take an instant dislike to somebody and, and we automatically dismiss them. Perhaps by not talking or responding to them, <clears throat> by saying something that we shouldn't, by not doing something for them. There's a whole variety of, of things that we do. But it's the same for Jesus. He was the one apparently rejected, but became the person that everything can be built on in our lives. <clears throat> the one who gives us eternal life if we but believe. The Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 10 verses 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So today, both our readings are tracking the continuing story of Jesus after his death and resurrection. In Acts, Peter and John have been proclaiming that in Jesus, there is resurrection of the dead, which had particularly annoyed the Sadducees, who didn't actually believe in resurrection. Now Peter and John are in custody, and Annas, the high priest, is among the gathered rulers, elders and scribes. Peter with John declare boldly that there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. So the witness has emerged. To bear witness is to speak of what is seen and heard plainly and truthfully. The one who stands with them needs to say nothing. His standing there is testimony enough to the restorative power of the risen Jesus. Well, I love Acts. I can't help smiling to myself. After all, Jesus, their beloved leader, who had shown them a new life, a life of helping and healing people, had been put to death in what seemed like a final end to the adventures that they had been having. Jesus, the most amazing person in the world, had gone but now they knew. They knew he hadn't just gone, but had changed into a new creation, a new form, a new being. And what's more, the whole reason that the authorities had crucified Jesus was to get rid of him and the threat to their existence. But now what the authorities are having to cope with is that when they thought they had got rid of Jesus, here he is again, but this time in the form of two of his disciples, who it seemed that together were exerting the same power that Jesus, Jesus had had in the first place. So the problem hadn't just gone away. No, in fact, it had been multiplied. The problem had just got worse because I suppose in a way it was like having Jesus in every disciple now. The same power and the same ethos had just spread 
and that meant it was uncontainable. Well, I can't imagine how the authorities must have felt when they realized that instead of getting rid of the problem, they'd just actually multiplied it up many times. I love it. And that's why it's so important that we accept that power and responsibility in our lives. Because you, you now realize the power that we have been given. So let's move now to our New Testament reading that we've just had, a familiar one with the use of sheep and shepherds. These were often used to explain things. And here, this one is about the good shepherd. Well, shepherds feature a lot in the Bible, as you might imagine. In the Old Testament, Jacob, Moses, and even King David spent time as shepherds. And even back then, they would feature in the words of the prophets as they sought to explain where the people and kings were going wrong. Ezekiel speaks of shepherds who do not care for the sheep but are only interested in profiting from them. Well, you know, you could liken it to today a bit bit like a you know a successful business um if a successful business is looking after the customer um that that that's great but if the business is only interested in profiting from its customers the business will soon fail as customers realize they are seemingly not important in ezekiel's case the shepherds to whom he is referring is, of course, the kings of Israel, who have badly failed their subjects. He says God will set up in their place his servant David, who will feed his people and be their shepherd. That's why Jesus refers to being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, in contrast to the hired hand who only wants his wages. Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd because he is invoking the rich meaning of Yahweh as Israel's shepherd, their ruler, protector, leader, and caring companion. And we have seen his warm pastoral concern in calling and healing the blind man, for example. See, he gives his life for the sheep. He looks after his sheep daily, watching, feeding, and protecting them. He confronts the greatest danger, the evil one, who spreads darkness and despair and false shepherds too. His is the struggle to overcome this and bring us life. The ultimate shepherd, hallelujah. In our John reading, Jesus is therefore declaring himself to be the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. He is the king, born of David's line, who has come to establish God's own sovereignty over his people. The cornerstone, in other words, the cornerstone. Well, it's interesting comparing shepherds in the UK today 
to those we're talking about in Israel back then. And I have to say, I'm not an expert in farming and sheep, um, but I understand today um, sheep are driven, certainly in this country, often aided by a sheep dog or two. And some gates are often closed off to stop them wandering off because they, they will. Whilst there is the possibility of the sheep recognizing your voice, by and large today's shepherds don't spend 24 hours a day with them or sleep with them and are not always with them, of course. I guess that your lamb and wool would probably cost even more if that's what they did. But they do a good job, uh, but it's not the same comparison. And of course, um, in, to, in our country, sheepdogs do a lot of, of the controlling uh, while they're being moved. However, even now, if you hand feed an orphaned lamb from birth, or because its mother doesn't have enough milk, and call it every day for its feed, it will know your voice instantly and will come running to you. That's how it was in Jesus' day and why the analogy was so good for them. Jesus was that shepherd and cares for his lambs. Finally, I guess, in a way, we are, of course, the sheep in the story, you and me. Bah. <laughs> Perhaps to be likened to sheep isn't very flat flattering. After all, they smell, <laughs> well, strong sheepish smell, and that ain't great. But like sheep, we often go astray and get into all sorts of scrapes, you know, like <clears throat> falling over precipices or etc etc you can interpret that in a variety of different ways um, and we all follow the herd even when it's going in the wrong direction and if there's a hole in the fence it's just all too tempting to go and have a look through it isn't it and then you either get stuck in it and or go through it and then can't find your way back come on be honest it's occasionally been like that in life hasn't it We've been so focused down on the pasture in front of us. We've been oblivious to what's been going on around us. But the Good Shepherd comes along just at the right moment and offers us a way forward. Whether we are as intelligent as the sheep and listen is another thing, he guides us to the right place, extracts us from the hole we got stuck in, lowers a line to recover us, recover us from the precipice, shows us new and luscious pastures. May we hear and recognise the voice of our own Good Shepherd and follow him where he leads us because we can always trust in his love and care and know he's out there to help us and for us to know our salvation in Jesus. Amen.
consciousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame But holy trust in Jesus' name My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame But holy trust in Jesus' name Christ alone, cornerstone made strong in the Savior's love through the storm He is Lord Lord of all When darkness seems to hide His face I rest on
content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved.